Uh, I tell this story often. My husband's stepfather, when he was alive, he um, would go to a Waffle House for breakfast every morning. Yep. And over time, Chuck came to know every waitress and waiter in that Waffle House. He knew the cooks. He knew the regulars. And that was his fresh expression. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. And now back to my conversation with Bishop Sue Halpert-Johnson. Yeah, I, I, it seems that we have forgotten our why in so many ways. Um, you know, why why the church exists, why we do what we do. And if we remember our why, then um, it really kind of determines our how. Uh, and and for some reason, there just seems to be um, uh, some amnesia around that. But right. going back to the Florida conference, because we are, I guess, about three years um, into four years, um, coming in on four years. Uh, in our Fresh Expressions journey here in North Georgia, was there a particular turning point um, that you recognized there, or was it just that slow work of little by little, or maybe it was a little bit of both? Yeah, it was slow work. Um, Clearly, the younger clergy were captivated by the idea, so I think they were an impetus. My observation about North Georgia, um, as opposed to Florida, uh, is that the Bible Belt still holds here somewhere. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, in Florida, um, yeah. no, I, when we lived in the Tampa area, that was the most secular place we've ever lived. Mm-hmm. Nobody got up on Sunday morning mm-hmm. deciding where to go to church. And so, um, you know, it reached the point where if you didn't have fresh expressions, you didn't reimagine your ministry and mission, you didn't have one. That's why when I came to North Georgia, and you know, I'm a perpetual visitor, I was stunned at the very, the very early, most of the contemporary worship, blended worship um, that I saw was fledgling, like, like I saw in Florida in the mid-90s. Because it's because only now is North Georgia realizing, oh my gosh, we're not rel- we're not going to be relevant much longer. Yeah, and so, um, and you know, many times, I, quite frankly, I've sat in worship and thought, man, if I wasn't a kid or a grandkid of somebody in this church, I wouldn't. Right. This has no relevance. This has no appeal. Yeah. And um, and that terrifies me, quite frankly, as the bishop, because I think that. Um, unless we innovate, unless the church gets back to its roots and its understanding, we're going to have a lot of really big buildings. Um, and, and you'll continue. To, I mean, people write, oh, well, why, why are, you know, like I'm responsible for the church closures. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, this is just a natural outgrowth because if you don't, you know, funny, if you don't have children in your church, it's, yeah. it's yeah. dead in the water. You know, well, if you're not teaching new generations, if you're not reaching new people, if you're not, um, you know, and I don't, for the life of me, even if you're in an area where uh, the population's not growing anymore, or the mill died mm-hmm. a long time ago, it seems to me you'd be looking for ministry and you'd move wherever it needed to be done. Yeah. But that's the case. It's the like, whole tent or, or tabernacle thinking, you know, yeah. Somehow you need to pay all of our bills until, you know, the last person dies and you lock the door. And quite frankly, most of the church is paying into our into our connectional giving 
aren't real crazy about that idea. Right. Well, I, I would I would I would say um, just to piggyback on something that you said about you know younger people kind of embracing uh, the new thing or being more open. I would say in my experience in my one short year uh, as the lead cultivator of Fresh Expressions in the conference, I think younger churches also have the ability to lean into this and be more open to. Um, being on mission and ministry with God in their community in um, a variety of ways. You know, we talk about the, I remember at the beginning of the um, Resilient Church Academy that Fresh Expressions did back in May, um, someone uh, used the definition of resilience as um, having a diversity of approaches. And, um, you know, we, we think about the, the Sunday morning worship service and, and we put all of our eggs in that basket. Obviously, that basket was taken away by, by COVID to some degree, right, as far as meeting in person. But if you have this diversity of opportunities to gather, which a lot of people are exploring the whole house church opportunity at this point, um, then if one is taken away, you still have other options. Um, and so you don't feel like, you know, you're kind of uh, left hanging with with any possibility for gathering or what that might look like. And, and obviously an embrace of uh, a diversity um, in ways of gathering as well. So there's more openness there. And this is I, I believe this is a pivotal time because of COVID, because we've all had to change our ways of thinking about around these things. Clearly. And an astute clergy person will figure out that, um, I think Elaine Heath said it well, she talked about ecotones, like in a, in a, um, in a um, in wetland environment or environment, you'll have a desert area and then you'll have a wet area. And, and if you cultivate the wet area, it'll eventually um, populate the desert area. And, and an astute clergy person will realize that, well, let's just say if you just decide you're going to, and some did this, do away with Sunday school and start fresh expressions or no, that, that this is both. And, and I yeah. think fresh expressions is very much both and thinking because you do want to build an expression of church out of your fresh expressions at some point. I mean, right. you know, that can be um, a way where you move into a worshiping community. Right. That's, Absolutely. The, that's, you know, and so that's how you have both, both and so um you know i found that in, in the churches that we had where we wanted multiple worship uh usually the most uh, avid you know folks rapidly against it were the very traditional folks so as long as we we said we will all and you could feel the tension leave and you could feel permission giving happen when we said you know we will always have an, a traditional expression of worship yeah. in this church we will always have one we we won't guarantee it'll always be at the same time mm-hmm. and we won't guarantee it'll all you know but it, the reality is in both places we had a you know million dollar organ mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you really don't want to leave a million dollar organ no. to rot so and, and and you know what was interesting we had some young people gravitate toward traditional worship oh yeah we, you know, so so there wasn't any presumption. There right. was just let, let's set a fine table and uh, tables in many places. Yeah, and I think the table imagery is good. I mean, Michael yeah. Beck's bread and butter is a Moe's burrito mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. but all mm-hmm. of us could find a third place. All of mm-hmm. us could find a place. Uh, I tell this story often. My husband's stepfather, when he was alive, he um, would go to a Waffle House for breakfast every morning. Yep. And over time, Chuck came to know every waitress and waiter in that 
Waffle House. He knew the cooks. He knew the yeah. regulars. And that was his fresh expression. He yeah. did major ministry there. What well, imagine what it'd be like if everybody right. in our church claimed one space right. that they like to be at? But they're already there, right? Yeah, to fully inhabit. Yeah. You buy breakfast every morning. If you know, if, if push comes to shove, you buy two people breakfast at Waffle right. House. If you're right. tithing, that'll take you a long way. Right. Yeah. Fully inhabiting the places and the spaces that we are already. Um, and and not, you know, again, the pace of life and the coming and the going and not being fully present in those places has hindered the work of the church and the, the Holy Spirit through through God's people and not thinking. And again, that 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 sacred versus secular thinking, right? If if all of life um, and all that we have is God's and the Holy Spirit has been given to us for the work of the church in the world, um, you know, how do how do we fully inhabit those spaces and be very intentional um, rather than um, absent, be very present in those places? And I think, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times when we talk about fresh expressions, people are like, well, how am I going to have time to do that? I'm not asking you to pick up anything new. I'm th- I'm asking you to think um, about some things that you're already doing in a new way, perhaps. And and that's really the heart of the the, the of, we- of the Wesleyan um, tradition. And that is that, you know, John Wesley never set out to start a new denomination. It was a movement within the Church of England that he started. And um, it was a both and. It was not, uh, you know, to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but to complement and to uh, revive and renew uh, what was already there and, um, and really breathe life into both. So uh, I think that speaks to um, kind of what we're what we're inviting people into now as well as you said it's not it's it's really not a new thing but it's certainly a wake-up call to um uh, some things that we've fallen asleep on perhaps right well and i think it's a change it really is you know to move it from the corporate to the individual it's a shift in um seeing christ as Uh, how do I want to put this? It reclaims the sacrifice Mm -hmm. that I have to be attuned and aware of people around me, that I have to really want to be part of changing their lives, that I really do see them as God sees them. And I think we've lost that. And you asked me what I'd read and I was thinking about it. I have a new book by the author of a book that I dearly loved um, called A Man Called Ova. Have you you ever read that? No, I have not. Um, I was thinking about, you know, two of the most deeply theological books I've read, A Man Called Uva, O-V-E, it's, it's Scandinavian, and um, the movie Up, the Pixar mm-hmm. movie Up. Mm-hmm. Both of them have similar themes, but they're both about gentlemen who have uh, lost their spouses, lost their reason for living, and they have to learn that the meaning of life is about pouring yourself out for other people. Mm-hmm and sacrificing and you know i love uh he sacrifices for the little boy and he ends oh, up yeah. it, it messes your life up yeah it is, you know that there is there is sacrifice there but it's a beautiful thing and that's what christ calls us to do so if you want a theology lesson that's very enjoyable what read a man called uva the movie is excellent too they did a movie of it oh, it's okay on, it's on um streaming services and uh and and that was really what it meant to be fully alive, right? The glory of God as man fully alive. Yeah. 
that you're part of the team, that yeah. you're part of God's reclaiming all of creation. That's right. I mean, I, I would love, you know, all the hikers around, all the folks, get with a group and see that as a ministry. Mm-hmm. And, the, and you share a common love for God's creation. So live into it and take care of each other as well. It's not that hard. Yeah. do what you love and find people find other people that love it and 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 god will take care of the rest i mean with that there was a great there's a great fresh expression story i don't remember where i read it but about this couple and they got a gift certificate to do uh uh sky skydiving uh-huh so they went and and there was this whole group who knew there was this whole group of skydivers who met on a saturday morning to to dive to wow and it the weather was bad <laughs> so they ended up sitting with this group and eventually they built a fresh expression out of that wow wow but a bunch of adrenaline junkies for sure <laughs> yeah you know that's a different crowd but you know the, and and it might have been on a sunday morning it might have been that was how they chose to spend their sabbath time so how do you you know and a lot of it is you don't fight it if, you know for years mm. i railed against travel sports because man yeah. they would we served two upper middle class churches, and man, we people would be gone. Uh, they yeah. had their finals on Easter Sunday one year. I was livid. And finally, finally, uh, a couple came to me, and they helped me see differently. They yeah. were part of the swim travel club, and they said, "Can you help us lead a Bible study? Mm-hmm. Can you help us reach the people on these teams?" Yeah. And they ended up doing that, yeah. and I realized, you know, I can either fight this, right, or I can be creative. And help Christ be proclaimed in places he might never be proclaimed. Right. It's not going to be, it's not helpful to just get angry about it or to, you know, or or to just kind of dismiss or dismiss those people. That was my dad in my ear. You get up at 11 o'clock, young lady, and you'll be in church every Sunday by God or you're not a good Christian. I like to encourage people to actually not go to church on Sunday and see where everybody is that's not in your building and see what they're doing. Um, you know, we use the we use the floating dock metaphor in in the fresh expressions world, but um, you know that stationary dock where the water has receded and the dock no longer reaches the water or the water the dock. Like we can yell at the water, but that's not going to make a difference, right? How do we actually reach the water? And it it requires going to the water or to the people in this case. And so it is. It does look like going out to one of those. Um, travel teams or fields or you know what if you became the what if you became the team the team chaplain you know that traveled with them rather than uh i i know plenty of families that really feel like they have to make a a really hard decision between church or their kids love of a particular sport and what they see as a a potential future um for their child and you know there there's an opportunity there we can see we can see an obstacle or we can see an opportunity and um and i think sometimes the less um resources that we might have the more creative we can be with what we do have um well you know years ago I, this was probably my first first fresh expression but i was uh on staff of a church and it built a habitat house every year paid for a habitat house every year and uh we had a horrible time uh, well, we had a lot of northern visitors, and um, they were they were really faithful about. But when they went back up north, either anybody who was left was either burned out or just didn't want to go work on the house. Yeah. 
And so I've, I've, I just fretted about it. And finally, I thought, you know, this is stupid. So I went to the local Home Depot. And I said, you have classes every Saturday, right? For people wanting to learn to paint and tile and all this. And they're like, yeah. So would you mind if I invited them to come work on our Habitat house? Would you mind if we brought the church van here and picked up anybody on Tuesdays and Thursdays? And we had a steady supply. Wonderful. Eventually, some of them, you know, they'd show up on Christmas Eve or they'd show up on Easter or they'd get involved or they'd meet somebody. That, you know, sometimes we just see the world, see the church as this own little like yeah. uh, nuclear cluster. And that's our only capability. When I've always thought that a really good church, people in the community would just send you money because they see what you're doing. What you're Yeah. Doing. Yeah. Well, to your point, I think, you know, I've, I've also served a church that I literally was a block from that church and, um, and a community event and no one had any idea of where that church was. <laughs> So, yeah, be making a difference in your community to the point where people know what you stand for, not just about your building um, or. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I think that um, uh, th- there there obviously is more than um, a world full of potential for the movement in, in North Georgia. I'm wondering what your vision is um, for the Fresh Expressions movement in North Georgia. Um now and uh i guess i don't know that it's changed uh, maybe it has in a covid world but if you would share a little bit about that yeah i you know i think that um i appreciate the work you're doing i think it just continues we continue to educate and cultivate and you know um part of it is just changing uh the definition of church for a lot of people Mm-hmm. and changing it but it's it's hard here i mean people are still like hey we and maybe COVID will hasten this but it's really hard to get people to reach outward when they're like hey we're doing fine we you know we've got a bunch of people and we're doing something all the time and i kind of always want to say well you know have you prayed about that is is that in alignment with what god wants you to do because you have a really good preschool and a really good but i'm not sure you know even even how buildings are used you know yeah um, is that is that how God would have us use that? Um, I don't yeah. know. So I think I think we're still in the shifting the paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think, like you say, that the COVID's going to make real people realize because there will be a lot of people who don't come back. I mean, once you break that eleven o'clock mm-hmm. habit, if that's all the church was to you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you aren't caught up in the sacrificial or the the deep spiritual and, you know, I, I worry about, I don't know, I ask clergy all the time, would you describe your church as the folks in your church as deeply spiritual, highly mature followers of Jesus Christ? And they just kind of shake mm. their heads sadly. Mm. So I, this is a spiritual problem. And I have to say that the churches in England and here that, uh, I think um, are lit up are where everybody's excited about serving Christ yeah. and it's contagious. Yeah. Uh, my husband, I, you know, and I've never really seen that fully realized in a church. My husband was part of a church growing up and the people out in the parking lot directing traffic were lit up with joy because yeah. they were part of something bigger than themselves. So I, I, you know, that to me, that's the vision I have for every church and the vision I have uh, always involves um, you know, I, I, that, that little church I served in Tampa after five years, I had a chaplain come to me 
from the local hospice. And he said, I want you to know that the word on the street is that if anybody is in need or hurting or just needs to find a loving community, they come to this church. Mm. That to me was, yeah. you know, I can die content now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what you want. You want people yeah. not connected who, who know right. and appreciate your presence there and know that if you weren't there, there, there would be a huge void in the community. Right. And I'm not sure most of our churches you could say that because they're family, they're clubs. And well, yeah, and you don't you don't ask the people in the church uh, <laughs> whether or not their church would be missed. You ask the people in the community whether or not that church would be missed and, and get a real um, a, a truthful answer as to what that church means to its particular community. So, yeah, thank you so much, Bishop Sue, for your time. I appreciate it, Heather. You know, it's. And I love these conversations. And I think, too, if you just help, I think as clergy and lady just get discouraged. And I think yeah. that's where the connection, you know, I've always known two or three people in every church who had a vision for something more for their church. Yeah, yeah. And so I figure with the connection, at least we could start gathering those people together. Yeah. And that's what I saw in the mission field groups in, in Florida, that if you can group five or eight churches together, yeah. uh, there's some hungry people in churches wanting something more. There's there That is really the uh, the gift of the connection that I think we don't leverage, uh, where there is shared a shared um, desire in many churches within a particular geographical location to make a difference in their community, to be on mission with God in the community. And um, you know, despite whatever the size of your church might be, if you have that one or two people in each of three or five or eight churches, then you've got you've got the opportunity to collaborate on what even a fresh expression might look like um, in your community that you would do together. And that I know that's a an even further stretch from you know a, a, a more. And you're not right. Well, that's super hard, right? Because then people think, "Oh, are you you you're wanting to steal my sheep?" But I mean, we we all need to be far more kingdom minded um, instead of uh, building centric. Uh, or well, um, well, what's the what's the percentage of Methodists in any given community? Point oh oh one. I mean, you know that that is a ludicrous fear, and um, you know it's not like many of us are in. Uh, population deficits, right? right. All, most of us are uh, thriving areas. I still remember a little church in my district. I was still learning the district. I didn't know where it was. It was it was faltering. It was, you know, and I thought, well, it's out in the middle of nowhere. I kind of get that. And then I drove there and it was not. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was in this burgeoning area. There were strip places, malls all along. I mean, it was like happening. And there's, you know, five people sitting in a sanctuary. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, nostalgically, the good old days, the glory days. Yeah. 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 Well, I just, I, I thank you for your vision. I thank you for the um, the passion that you have for continuing the legacy of faith that we share um, in new and exciting ways and um, what that means to our conference, what that means to our denomination, what that means to the church universal. And um, I'm just excited about what, what God's doing and what the future holds. So thank you so much. Well, thank you a lot, Heather. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.